What's your money play? You can't handle the truth. I never told anybody that because I'm such a good friend. We're back! All right, y'all. It is another episode of Fire the Cannon. We want to welcome you. I'm Megan. I'm Hannah. I'm Rocky. And I'm Ross Babers. Let's fire the cannon. Welcome, everybody. We could not be more excited to have a card-carrying member of Texas DBU. The Detroit Lions could have changed their trajectory had they committed to <laughs> our man. He is co-host of 104.9 The Horn, RBKD, every afternoon. You listen to RBKD every afternoon. He is co-host of the longtime famous podcast. They've been doing it and setting the trail for the rest of us because they are the best of us the flagship <laughs> with jeff howe you know him as number 21 on your roster man in your hearts rbkd run okay okay i gotta talk about this so I'm a little fangirling out right now because I paid attention closest to those early 2000s teams that you were a part of. Yeah, I was probably more dialed into those than I was like 2005 and beyond. It's because like it's my era. It was like when Matt Brown was really building this machine that he created. (laughs) Yeah. And so I have this distinct memory of, um, okay, you in the 2002 Texas OU game, your interception right before half that you ran all the way back. And oh. I remember like screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> it was glorious. It was wow. awesome. And well, so we, we got to hear it from no, your point of view. Yes, it was. That is a delight. Yeah, for sure. Because that's, that's the number one play that comes to my mind when I think of you. Yes, and it was an amazing play. I'm upset because it was in a loss. So I will oh, throw that out there. It was, it was, but that gave us hope. That yeah, was- we should have should have won that game. I believe at that time, were we up like 14 to three or we something like that? Out. I mean, yeah. oh, 14 to three. We don't want to talk about that number like yeah. at all. Uh, but no, it was, a, it was a fantastic moment. That was probably, you know, along with that, Interception return for a touchdown in the Big 12 title game against mm-hmm. Colorado. The year before, I was there, by the way. That yeah. was that was another moment that, once again, in a lot. My biggest my biggest plays came in losses. Maybe you should have so. played offense. <laughs> you know what? You 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 gave a stat the other day on the radio that I wasn't aware of, but then when I thought of it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's so right." You have more touchdowns versus Oklahoma than Roy Williams. Think yeah. about that, y'all. Yeah. It's not a disrespect. No, not at, all, not at all. I love Roy. I think he's a second grade. No, he's he's my insides, but like, damn, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> but let me chime in and say this to our opening point. I am a Detroit Lions fan. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Long yeah. suffering. No, d- long suffering. <laughs> Listen, I'm suffering long. <laughs> nothing you can say. Nothing you can say. To- <laughs> What actually hurt me was watching my idiot front desk of the Lions cut Babers oh, <laughs> after three years. Because look, we all fucking know the Lions picked up a lot of Longhorns. Tons of them. And then let them go and then suffered greatly from it. So listen, <laughs> I 
I realize that I don't make front money like dollars, right? I'm the first person to admit what? that. It's crazy, what? right? I thought you were balling out of control. <laughs> but I will straight up be the person that says, pay me like half of what you're paying all the other motherfuckers and I'll show you how to be successful with just Texas fans and just Texas players in the NFL level. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, like I'm one of those NFL fans. Like I don't have a particular team as you two both know. And then I definitely... Oh, yeah. I definitely closely focus on where the Texas guys are, right? Baltimore. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, and I'm watching Jacksonville, like, oh. lose miserably, lose miserably to Houston yesterday, going, <laughs> you cut, you cut Colin Johnson. Yeah. Well, look. Okay. Is it the Giants? <laughs> yeah. Colin, yeah, got, Colin picked got picked up quick. Picked up quick but he's a big I know. But the, just the fact that Urban Meyer himself cut Colin Johnson. She's yeah. like. <laughs> but that, but that's because uh, Urban Meyer prefers that speedy route runner. I don't give a fine F. He's still a longhorn and I root for the horns in the NFL. I'm going to tell you why he wouldn't love a big body like Colin Johnson. Some style of coaches love that big body, Herman. Herman. But yeah. the the speedy route runner, Sark, wouldn't have taken a Colin Johnson. And an Urban Meyer wouldn't have taken a Colin Johnson. So they're going to let Colin Johnson get an opportunity with a coach who does want that big body. And it just didn't happen to be Urban Meyer. Okay. What do you think? I didn't know. Ross, I'm I right. say she nailed <laughs> it. Ding, ding, I literally ding, ding. was thinking the same thing. She nailed ding. it. I'm also going to throw this in, and this is something I complained about <laughs> from the game at USC beyond Colin Johnson's career at UT. I started complaining about this at the USC game was he is an incredible receiver. No question. He's got the size to compare and match up with anybody, but it always Don't kind of fell flat, right? His life. Colin Johnson? Yeah. He's not the guy that's going to go down and hit a motherfucker. He's not the guy that's going to run a route. He's like post somebody up if it's not his ball. And to me, that's always been his problem. We we ha- we saw that like he was a man amongst children against USC, no question. He was a man amongst children in college, but even then he he'd run his routes, but he wouldn't hold up. You'd never see Colin Johnson crossing a field to take out a defender when it wasn't his ball. That's my biggest argument with him. And I think that's going to hurt him in the NFL. I think it has. He's going to be successful in the NFL, no question. But I think what keeps him from that elevated level there is that he's not the guy that's going to cross the field to take out somebody to, to protect another receiver that's getting the ball. I'll just say maybe maybe Colin Johnson hasn't murdered enough people for <laughs> Urban Meyer to have his back. Ooh. Colin Johnson <laughs> is too good of a human wow. for Urban Meyer to have his back. Right. But he might be a little bit too much Alvin Harper from the old school Cowboys. <laughs> no, 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 about Colin Johnson. <laughs> I'll say this though, about football wise, I wonder if he plays special teams. To your point. Mm. Do you think he would? I don't think he's well, gonna be to the your, guy that's gonna punch somebody. To your point, you draft what was he drafting the sixth round? Yeah, yeah. sixth. You, you play, gotta play some you special teams. Play special right. So I wonder, so you're, if you know, you're right about him not wanting to kind of get his hands dirty. dirty. And- Look, we we've all experienced that question that we've had with players from UT going on to the next level, no question. But let let me go ahead and hone it back in and talk about this past weekend, y'all. Let's talk about this past weekend. It was painful. What happened? We 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 have a lot to talk about. I I think what happened is the burning question. Everybody picked Texas to win. Some of us had it closer than others. Rod, 
how did you see this game before it played out? And then what are your reactions after it? I know that's, that's a deep question. So let's start off. Um, before, no, I thought Texas should beat Arkansas. I had him winning by 10 points, I think 34, so 24, I. 34, 23, somewhere around there. I guess two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I thought Texas would win. I mean, I still am not sure if Louisiana is a good team now. Now I got to pay more attention right. to that to see right. if they were indeed worthy of being ranked where they were. Right. Um, but I'll say this going to that game, even if you do get beat by Arkansas, there's no shame in that. Trust me. I've been beat by teams that we were better than when I played. Um, Colorado. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Just there are, there are a list of them. You can kind of go through yeah. it. Cliff Kingsbury's Texas tech team. It goes Man. on and on. Oh God. I was there too. Oh. But I started thinking like putting myself in these guys' shoes. How often did I get embarrassed and blown out? And I try to do that because that would give me a better, more moderate, rational view of what these guys are going through. And, and I always hearken back to Texas OU 2000. Sure. Yeah. Right. Fuck. So I hate to bring that up. Uh, we weren't blown out a lot. So that was kind of my one experience being blown yeah, out. Let's talk about it, though. Let's and um, it. and of course, that was in the Texas OU game. That's man. You don't. You don't it's get even worse. Out. You definitely don't get blown out in the Texas OU game. I'm looking at Rocky's face. She's like despondent. <laughs> I you haven't been in the game since. Um, but yeah, no, it was, and and I'm and I'm just thinking about that 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 game, and we were ill prepared. We weren't prepared for the moment, and we weren't ready for the moment. Some people would say there's a hostile environment, definitely a unique environment, not as hostile as Arkansas. And to me, that's kind of what it it reminded me of as a player. Like that getting – now, I will say that team went on to win the national title. So that Oklahoma team, really good team. Really good get, team, really good team. Trying to be a really good and team. And you shouldn't upset them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we were, we just we were, but we we got we got whipped on every level, and this team got whipped on every level. They didn't win any phase of the game, offense, defense, or special team. So uh, that's what it reminded me of. And I will say this: hopefully, this is what it is for these guys. It was a rallying cry for us because, and hope you guys understand this. As a player, it it was embarrassing. I still carry shame talking about this game. <laughs> no, oh, so bad. The shame that it brought to our fans. The, the, the fans, this is weird. I'm, I'm not going to go off. Now, the thing is, though, and I have to point this out for my own benefit, is that the, guys, the program in general, like, still accelerated from there. No, it did. How do we react now? I'll make about the relationship that exists between or should exist between the players and the fans, right? And I'm really hard on coaches. I'm really hard on Texas administrators. Why? Because they're caretakers and they're paid for their loyalty. The truth is, if you pay most of these men to go do other jobs, they'll be loyal to forever, wherever you paid them for, right? They'll throw, mm. they'll throw, the, they'll throw up the hand sign for whoever you pay them to throw the hand what? sign. What? Then we put down next week for an extra hundred k year. Exactly. That's just that's just the reality <laughs> of it. And I'm not mad at them. They're caretakers. Right. are good at their jobs, and we yep. pay them to come in and represent the brand. But fans and and fans and student athletes choose to support the brand. Right. They made a choice, a conscious choice. They're not paid for their loyalty. They don't get perks for it. You're going through, you guys are going through emotional distress now because of this <laughs> damn team, right? We got, we got that PTSD. Right? We were all awake at Sunday. Exactly. At I didn't realize this until I, until after I got done playing and I realized later that 
understand suffer so much physically <laughs> they go through this with us and it's almost you know like, how many burnt orange kool-aid hangovers i've had that travel to the games that go with you right they took off they paid money they're going into hostile territory mm-hmm. with all types of inconveniences and stress because they want to support you it and i, I got a wife now right so i'm thinking about love languages <laughs> that right? is all right that's, Break it down, right? brother Rob. Break that's, it down. That's that's the fans' love language for us as players. Like, no, no, we're gonna go on the road and support you. We're gonna support you on social media. We'll support you uh, through all types of adversity. We got you. We are family. But our love, our response to that love language for fans is to win mm. and to play well, representing the brand. Don't go out there and embarrass yourself on a big stage and embarrass not only the name on the front of the jersey, which is what our friends represent, but the name on the back. It's my family name. Yeah. Yeah, for real. To to me, so it's it's a love language thing for me, right? So for the players, do they understand the love language that the fans are showing them when they go to Arkansas and when they, you know, they decide, no, 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 uh, I'm I'm going to get a Twitter beef tonight with some damn Aggie fan (laughs) who's an a-hole because he said something about my Longhorns and I'm going at him. I'm gonna go for two hours tonight because I'm representing my, these are my boys. These are, these are my long ones. These are my fam. That love language, I appreciate now more um, that I'm done with it. And I want those <laughs> young people to reciprocate that. And that's, what's, that's why it's about winning. And the only love language that fans understand is winning. That's the love language. And my love language as a player is, man, these fans support me no matter what I do. I still get the love. I'm, I mean, I ain't played football for the long run in 20 years. And I can go somewhere and go, Robbie, man, dude, you my daddy. I'm telling you, the the, the long one family is so powerful and they're so, uh, they're so kind, right? And they will just, they will let you in their homes and hang out like I am now, right? <laughs> and I appreciate that. And I, I, I want the young men who made that conscious choice because the fans, that's why the fans and the players are connected because we made a choice. We're not paid for our loyalty like these other people. And I love CDC. I love them. I love Mac Brown. I love the Aldous Cousins. What, what I realized when I was kicked out of the family for a while. <laughs> right, because, oh, you back now, though. I know, you but when now. keeping it real goes wrong, sure. it went wrong for me. Sure. Um, but what I realized is the fans didn't, they didn't disown me. The, the program did for a while. Coaches may not have wanted me around. Sure. But the fans, they, they, that's why I said, I will always keep it real for the fans because they kept it real with me. When the coaches and the program didn't want me around, the fans wanted me around. Sure. They invited me to tailgate. They wanted you. me around. So that to me, that's what I said. That's my love language. Understand the love language, young men. Just win. I think that's important. I, I think that's one of the things that it's easy to forget, right? Yes, we can be, look, fan is short for fanatical, right? Yeah. And that none of that is based in reality. None of that is based in logic. None of that is based in being honest about your own team what it is based on is emotion and and i think that it's really important and i think that's what makes college football special it is right you've got this crazy emotion you've got this crazy connection i've been connected with this college my whole life life. i went to this college look i'll never be a player i'll never be part of an organization of an nfl team i'm not in that position as a person but you know what? I went to the University of Texas. Mm. I grew up with it in my life. I know that like because I went to that school, I can call myself 
a Texas Longhorn. And look, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying every single person has to go to the university that they cheer for, but you have these deeper connections, right? You have these emotional, lifelong Mm -hmm. relationships. I'll say that it's a relationship. (laughs) And, and, And you say, Oh shit! I am a Texas Longhorn. It'll be on my tombstone. Exactly. Yeah. It'll be. They'll talk about it in my eulogy when I'm dead. Right. That's, <laughs> that's gonna be on my exactly. Right? Exactly. People identify me as a person with my university, and yeah. that that's a deep seated connection. That's something that you don't see in a lot of other aspects, right? So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Fans, right, wrong, or indifferent are connected to their college school with this crazy passion and this crazy intensity. And I do not think college fans are fair to the players all the time. No question. No but, but I do think there is this love. They love them more than they yeah. will in the NFL. Man, they love there's them more. a love there. There's a love, man. There, there's it's a deep. question. There's it's a question. Oh, look, I'm being super unprofessional right now. Y'all are getting a little peep behind the curtain. I took down some notes while I was watching. I was at Arkansas, saw the game. Megan, let's stop there, Megan. Let's do this, yeah. Okay, let's break it down, Megan. You were in Fayetteville, Arkansas, in the stadium. Tell us, Megan, what was the environment like? (laughs) What was it like rolling up into Fayetteville, the stadium in Burn Orange? Okay, let me say this. I had very low expectations oh and that's perfect every every <laughs> no but every encounter i've ever had with an arkansas fan whether it be in texas or whether it be at a bowl game was negative i i've had precisely zero positive interactions as a fan yeah. with arkansas fans right but yeah i so i had very low expectations i and i will say this i've got to give credit where it is due i went to Fayetteville, the scenery is gorgeous. It, it's the Ozarks. It is. It is a beautiful campus. Mm. And I will tell you, I had some pretty good fan experiences. Nice. Now, some of that, to be fair, was because I had my dogs with me. And I'm mm. not stupid. I'm in marketing. I'm like, dress up some dogs. Nobody Everybody, can be mad. Yeah. Look, you have to be a real piece Everybody's of shit. Everybody's gonna want to take pictures with you. Exactly. You, you have to be a real yeah. piece of shit to be angry at a dog. And you have to be a bigger piece of shit to try to attack somebody with a 160 pound dog on one arm and a 130 pound dog on the other. Right. Like, yeah. okay. So there's some protection there. So I'm going to say my, you know, scale of judging this perhaps might have been a little skewed. Yeah. No question. But generally speaking, I had a good experience. Now, did I get my fair share of unprovoked fuck Texas horns down in your face? Absolutely. That happened all the time. But I'd be lying to you if I said Arkansas was the only place I've ever experienced that. That happens in Baylor. That happens at TCU. That happens anywhere that's not Austin, Texas. No question. So there's that, right? Generally speaking, fan experience is decent until we lost. Until we lost. It got real ugly after the game. We had a lot of people, again, I had full water bottles when I'm on ground level thrown at me from the, the, the top of, of the ramp. Crazy. And look, some people were like, oh, if all you had to worry about was getting wet, that's not a big deal. I'm like, it's a full water bottle. Yeah. So that, that was my experience there. Now, I will say 
one of the things, and I'm going to bring it back in, what, watch these skills, y'all, for podcasting. Shout out. One of the things that I definitely questioned, and Rod, you brought this up a little bit earlier, players might be a little disconnected from the fan experience, right? Because your player experience is very different than what I experienced. I think they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Tell us All about right. it. No, I said that before. Yeah. So, so the literally, the first question that I typed down as something to talk about was do rivalries matter anymore to college players? I'm, I'm uh, going to ask you that point blank. Just point yeah, blank. You're hell connected. Yeah. Hell yeah, they do. The text, I hate Oklahoma more than I hate AM, but I understand that the AM's rivalry's coming back. One of the things that hurt Texas in the Arkansas game was that when was the last time they went into a true hostile environment where the opponent hated you more than they liked themselves? Thank you. That was a quote that came. I feel like every time we play in Lubbock, that's kind of close. Rod, to your point. It's tough, though. I've, I've been in all these environments. I've been to Lubbock. Yeah. I've been to Anderson. I've know. been all there. Yeah. I will tell you, and I, I was screaming this before the game. I put a poll out. Who do you hate more as a Texas fan? Do you hate Arkansas, the Ohio State? Mm. Do you hate AM or OU? Mm. Oh, you won it handily, no, no. question. Yeah. But to me, that tells me you haven't been to the games and personally experienced fan interaction but that's with the Arkansas fans, people. Not the players. Yeah, but and that's, that's the fans, not yeah, the players. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and that was my question was, from the fan perspective, to me, I have hated Arkansas fans more than I do OU and AM combined. Interesting. It's interesting because, like, the, the current players – like they were born 10 years later or after that Texas and Arkansas were even in the same conference, but yeah. it's all fan created, right? No, the thing about Arkansas, 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 the reason their play, their players are just as young as Texas, right? They don't know anything about they the rivalry. The about reason the it mattered more to them is because in that town, they are ensconced in it. They, yes, they, 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 they are programmed yes, yes. in it all the no time. Question. Texas, these young kids don't know a damn thing about Arkansas. That's that's like playing. So they don't know it's a rivalry. They don't okay, care. Okay, but let me and they see. went into that game. It seemed like they but didn't let care. Let me say this. Thank you. Let's one talk of the about that. one of the yeah. things that plays into this rivalry is that the institution of Arkansas plays that up. Yes, they do. I University that. of Texas takes a highbrow. And look, I appreciate this about being a Texas fan. We don't give a fuck about anybody else other than the University of Texas. Mm, that's that you, that's no, no institution i disagree as an institution <laughs> me we, too we are not like when we are the week before ou yep we'll make a video about ou and how we beat you we have two we're rivals before whoever we're playing okay cool but generally speaking the university of texas does not look at a team that we're going to play in three years and start being angry about it the year that we announce it, right? The University of Arkansas is very different about that yeah. with Texas Agreed. specifically. Yeah. Nobody loves to hate Texas like Arkansas hates Texas. Um, I would argue AM kind of does. The yeah. only difference I see is hmm. I would agree that Arkansas hates us more than they love themselves. <laughs> but my question to you, because we have Rod Babers with yeah. us, my question to you is what could Coach Sark Keijan have done differently. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to even say rivalry aside, 
But I'm talking about rivalry aside, you can go in a hostile territory and blah, 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 and they hate you so what? A lot of teams do that around the country every weekend and come out with a win. My question is, what could Coach Sarkeesian and his staff, PK, I'm putting you on the hot seat, <laughs> what could you have, what could they have done differently to come out with a W? Mm. That's question one. Mm. One A is, should they have played Casey Thompson earlier? Go ah. Uh, man, I know. I think let's get into it. I think they're both interconnected. Um, honestly, uh, I think this is my concern with Sark right now, right? Is because it's just one game, it could just be a bad game by the coaches, uh, but he didn't have the players prepared or ready. And I think those are two different things, right? Prepared means all week long, you did your preparation, game plan, study, film, boom, ready to go. Ready means ready is a mindset. And the situation that you're going yes. into. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for explaining the yes. difference. And they may be neither one of those, right? They they didn't get the guys in in, in uh, either one of those. They didn't get them ready or prepared. So for me, even with that aside, because I can understand having a bad day. I've had them. Trust me. Uh, I still have them. <laughs> so bad day. Let's assume Sarkin staff had just a bad day. Terrible game plan and then no adjustments. Okay, you had a bad day. What I was most disappointed of with Sark in that game was he did not have a feel for the game. Right? I agree. Like the adjustments were too little and definitely way too late. Right. He did. If you have a feel, think about this guy. We played Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. He yanked Spencer Rattler. Spencer in the middle of the Texas let's, OU game. Just enough to coach him up. You're damn right. Okay. And then put him back in there. Like, God, Come on now. That is the exact thing that I've been. That's a feel for the game. Listen, listen. Oh, okay. I mean, I got a feel for the game. I know mm-hmm. a lot of y'all were watching the game on TV and you saw what the TV showed you. Let me be here. I'm going to say some shit that y'all are going to argue with. Rod, we're probably going to fight in person about this. Yeah. Arkansas stuck us up in the nosebleed corner. No, no doubt. No Just question. Like we do. Yeah, that's why you and Quan, y'all were like, ooh, I can kind of see the field like a little bit. I had a beautiful view of the field. Oh, uh, 22. That's that coach's view. That's a wonderful I love thing. that view. That's Straight a great up. view. You can see the game. Thank you, Rod. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I am looking <laughs> That's where my season tickets are. <laughs> so what I'm seeing from the first snap, y'all, the first snap, Card had happy feet from the first snap. And look, I'm going to say something. Was that an environment thing? Was that just because the environment was so it crazy? It was all of it. It was all okay. of it. He's also a retro freshman. We knew at some point during the season, he was going to get in a situation in a game where the game was too big for him. But, but and it happened the second game. Okay. It but, happened let, in Fayetteville. Okay. That's okay. Let me say this. If it was going to happen, I'm happy it happened early. Out of context. Agree. Yeah. My disappointment is, listen, I'm a nobody watching from high ass seats i'm somebody that you were understand (laughs) i understand football but i'm not a coach and even my ass could see by eight minutes into the second quarter card was not the answer Mm. and i'm gonna say this look this is what's gonna piss a bunch of people off but i will stand by this all day every day and i've got your follow-up like i said earlier our O-line was not the problem in this game. Preach. Oh, Look, wow. Yep. We're going to fight about this, yeah. but what I'm going to say. They were part of the problem. No, no, no. Let me say this. Did they play perfectly? 
Absolutely not. Um, no. <laughs> no, they did not. Our left side is hurting. Okafor, look, I love the dude as a dude, but he ain't. Oh, my God. He's I think Major Oh, Majors is a good player. I, I, Majors should be in. I think, honestly. I think Jane Majors is a center, though. I don't oh, know. Whatever. Yeah. It, it can't get worse, right? I think Connor should have an opportunity. What I saw, and I'm going to say this because I know it didn't show on TV, but I'm going to say this bluntly. I saw more plays where we, and schematics weren't the problem either. Look, a lot of people are going after Sark and saying he wasn't prepared for this game. I disagree with that. Mm. He had the schematics. He had the, the play calls that were there. The, what I saw in person was there were two, it, it, there was at least one, normally two wide receivers that were wide the fuck open on almost every play and Hudson card wasn't seeing the field. He got happy feet. He was flushing out of the pocket sooner than he needed to be. Listen, our O-line was not perfection. I would not give them an A-plus rating, but they had a solid enough hold to give Card the time to make a play. And the, the, the thing that I was seeing is we either had wide open receivers that he wasn't seeing, or he had no fewer than 10 yards without anybody around him to run and make a play. I don't even care if it's a first down. You can cut out eight yards by the time somebody closes on you. He had those opportunities more often than he did not, and he was not seeing that opportunity, and he wasn't taking that opportunity. So there's where I have the, the biggest issue. And look, by midway, eight minutes into the second quarter, I was screaming for Casey Thompson. And it wasn't based on, oh, previous play, blah, blah, blah. I think Card has a higher ceiling than Thompson, no question. But what I was seeing in this game, this moment was more than Hudson Card was prepared and ready for. He wasn't ready for that atmosphere. He wasn't ready for that pressure. And all our coaches are doing is giving the ball to Bijan and running him up the middle. And Jesus fucking Christ, they're ready for that. We didn't prove that our quarterback could beat them either running or throwing to give our guys up the middle a break. There was no question. So by eight minutes into the second quarter, to me, I'm seeing, saying, put Casey in. Put Casey in because at the very least, with a not perfect O-line, he's going to give you options. Casey proved it in the Alamo Bowl. Mm -hmm. he, he's proved it every time. Thompson stays ready. And we lost that ability. I think had we put Thompson in in the second quarter, halfway through, we would have had some more opportunities. And look, Rod, I'd love to talk to you about mentality, about being in the game. Are, are you decimating your freshman quarterback's confidence? Perhaps. But look, you bench Spencer Rattler halfway through a major rivalry game and dude responds. That's a that's a it's great coaching. question. You know, CB, it's our homeboy CB, he listens to all the yeah. episodes message and asked, you were part of the, Oh, I can't wait for this. Controversy. 
Yeah. And he and he specifically wanted to know because he asked you because he's your homeboy. He asked mm -hmm. you were familiar with that controversy. How would you compare that controversy now to they the card and Thompson had a legit battle after a, a tight, tight battle. He felt that he had a better chance to win the next 12 games with card and one and a half games in and he's going to Casey. <laughs> CB wants to know. How do you compare the two battles, QB battles, and how do you feel that affects the locker room? Um, you know, I always say the quarterback competition, the reason you want to avoid it is because it ends up being an election in the locker room. Yeah. Can't help it, right? Everybody's going to pick a side. And the players, just like the fans, they have their opinions on who needs to play quarterback. Can't avoid that. Um, and I guarantee you right now, it's probably more polarizing than ever. So we had guys, some guys that, that thought Major was a – quarterback that give us a better opportunity to win some guys thought sims would give us a better opportunity to win the, the, to me Sorry, sims. rod you should know like I'm a, I'm a chris sims fan big time i defended him always no. me too trust me i'm a big always always what do you think should have been the quarterback because it's way late doesn't matter anymore uh at the time yes who were you team your team the thing is, though, is okay because that was a different controversy because Major had already started there. Who, who did you have a harder time defending? I would rather, at the time, I I'd rather have had Sims start. The reason was because Sims had a higher ceiling, and we had just gotten three five-star wide receivers in. The only reason you get those five stars because they want to play with Sims. They didn't want to play with Major. Mm. It's not why they came. They didn't come to Texas to play with Major Upright. They came because they. No, wanted, you're right. You don't that's get fair. you don't get no, three five fair. you don't get five star receivers. Oh, you don't get a Vince Young without a Chris Sims on your roster. You don't get a, you don't get a Seth Benson without a Chris. No, I'm not, you do not. But that's just the truth. No, that's he was fair. the number one player. He's what Arch Manning is right now, essentially. Like he was the Vince Young was the so, highest rated yeah. recruit so ever. I, I'm not saying that this, that was Max. That Max should have in the end red shirted Chris Sims in retrospect. Probably should have. But at the time, yeah. we were looking. And this is the thing that Sark's dealing with right now, right? And I always say this about uh, picking the quarterback. Choosing a quarterback is like choosing a significant other. The person you marry is not the hottest person you ever dated. They're the most compatible with you. There is a argument to be made that Major would have been more compatible with Texas at the time. So everything that I've seen, every play that I've watched Casey Thompson make, that boy stays ready. He does. He he. And I feel that the team has a different sense of motivation when they're playing behind Casey Thompson versus Card. Card's a freshman, right? Like, that's hard to get that leadership from him. Mm -hmm. One of the questions that was brought up in the presser today, it was asked directly to Sark, and he did this beautiful, like, shuffle ball step sidestep from the <laughs> I thought it was a terrible side shuffle. It was terrible. But they, <laughs> it was ugly. They asked it was him, not good. They asked him about the leadership. And he brought the coaches. Right. And I was he, like, he what the hell defaulted, are you talking about? He defaulted to the coaches. That's not good. So to me, that tells me you don't have leadership on a on a player level. For me, what I'm looking at is saying, well, what and look, I'm not in the locker room. I trust Sark. I trust the coaching, but just from the eyeball test, the team plays differently for Casey than they do for Hudson right now. Agree. Which is understandable. I do agree. Freshman, he didn't have time with these guys. Casey does. At what point do you say, all right, 
maybe Casey isn't the most beautiful ballerina at the party. He doesn't have the <laughs> throw. He doesn't have the perfect technique, but the players are getting behind him, right? Like, I, I look, I trust Sark. I trust the coaches. The thing that I bring up and say that makes me go, okay, guys, what the fuck is you had the film of Casey playing for the Alamo Bowl. You had the film of Casey stepping in when he needed to and the team rallying behind him. Do you think that that played into the decision of the Hudson-Casey debate before the game? Or was this pure practice versus... You know what? What am I seeing yeah. real time? I think practice? no, no, no. You, you, it's interesting because you have to go with the practice. Right? Football is a sport where you practice more than you play. Other sports are not like that. You practice. You have to go with the baseline of practice. The problem with young players is they don't have a baseline. They're all over the place. Sometimes they practice like an All-American. Sometimes they practice like a freaking sure. scrub, right? Sure. Um, like they don't even deserve a scholarship. What you want is a baseline of productivity, a baseline of effectiveness at practice, so you can then predict. All right, this is how he's going to perform in the game. Okay. Gamers piss coaches off, which right. is what people are saying about Casey's a Casey gamer. Casey's a gamer that in practice, oh, you don't see the same case as something you see in the game. And those guys exist. You brought up James Brown. They are real. I don't like them either, but they do exist. <laughs> I would say that's a real thing. Um, I think for Sark, the reason that he ultimately is going with Casey now and the reason that somebody's like, oh, he's flip-flopping or whatever, um, he doesn't have an answer, right? And I'm not saying that... No belittle the man or anything no question but you can see it on his face like on the sideline i noticed that look i saw it on tom herman's face thank you yeah it is the look of i don't have an answer no no no. it's where we get our asses kicked and i have no answer i have an adjustment i have nothing that's why he's got to go with casey casey provides the possibility of solution my offensive line sucks my wide receivers can't get open um my leadership void all those things could potentially be solved and remedied if if Casey Thompson actually works out. Okay, but this is where I will question that. My faith is in Sark. Listen, until he's not our head coach, I will always put my faith no, in I, I was saying, But yeah. what you're saying is until these things don't work out, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose Casey because why didn't he see that before? Why wasn't the adjustment made before? Because look, I'm I did he not know that the line was trashed before. And he should have known if he watched. Should have absolutely known. Listen to the Fire the Cannon podcast or uh-huh. any of the damn podcast. When, when, we, when we explain <laughs> why he stayed ready, but but here's the thing. Again, our O line was not perfect, but in this Arkansas game specifically, I'm not blaming our O line like everybody else wants to do. Did they perform at an A plus level? Absolutely not. No. I, I would give him a Nobody C plus, maybe a B minus. No. I put the B, the, the O-line, and that's higher than a lot of I would of love for you to be my teacher and grade yeah. my paper. But, but, <laughs> no, and I get that. But again, I'm basing that on what I saw in person because the O-line was giving the quarterback enough time. He had the time to have a wide open field to run. He had the time where either one or two, maybe more wide receivers were getting wide open and our quarterback wasn't seeing the field. He had the time because of our O-line to have opportunities that he wasn't taking. So that's where I'll step in and say, look, yes, everybody wants to bag on the O-line, 
We all know Herb Hand didn't do us any fucking favors. We all know that we've got some money answer there, but I'm not going to be the one to throw the O-line under the bus because what I saw in person suggested to me that the O-line was doing enough to give our quarterback an opportunity to make a play and our quarterback shit the bed when he had the opportunity. Then why didn't your head coach make the change earlier? That's my question. Exactly. We might have a bigger problem on our hands. I agree. (laughs) If you saw saw it in the stands and he's on the sideline and he didn't recognize it until the end of the third quarter, don't you think – What's the so he you got a better feel for the game than Sark? I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm not officially That's saying that. That's all I'm that. saying. Everybody in the stadium but, felt we should have made a change. But I, but I tweeted that shit out. No, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Dark. That's not. That's not good. I. That's know. not his feel of the game. In fact, like he put Casey in, like kind of when it was too late. Even Megan tweeted it out. She was texting us. She was like, I'm at the game. I'm seeing wide open receivers. And like, we were dissing on the O-line. Like, well, I mean, on? no no time, no okay. connect, protection. And Megan's at the game tweeting us saying. I'm defending I, the O-line. I'm seeing. And she's defending the Which O-line. Which is tough to do on Twitter. Tough to do. <laughs> she's texting she's us saying. O-line apologist. She's texting <laughs> us saying, yes, the O-line is not great. However. <laughs> that's a weird heel to die on. <laughs> I'm seeing wide open receivers. She's watching it over the field. Like I'm seeing wide open receivers. Why isn't he seeing them? Whittington wasn't in. Sark kept him out for down one, down two, down three. He put him in down four every time or down three when we were because he was running it on first and second down that's my point you got to take your big body receiver who had a stellar game the game before he caught the balls he he had it like placed right in his hands and he didn't catch it like he didn't have a great game he tapped like three balls (laughs) but i'm gonna defend jordan here Two of the balls, Jordan, that hit him in the friggin' bread basket. There's no question. Two of the three balls were not placed perfectly. What I'm seeing early is that Jordan wasn't the big body at receiver to distract the defense and pull them away from keying in on Bijan, right? And and if you had any tape view and saw what they did against Louisiana, yeah, Jordan's going to be the guy that's going to Look, I don't care if he doesn't catch a single freaking pass. If he's pulling the defense away from the center, gives Bijan a little bit of breathing room, okay. But we weren't doing that. We just tried to shove it up the middle every time. But there was no other threat. Rod, you play defense. Could you have called the defense against this game on Saturday? Our offense? Against our offense. Remember the fourth thing? This is kind of... That's what's symbolic of the entire Bijan's game. Bijan's getting it up the middle on fourth and one. Yeah, the yeah. fourth and one, he just goes with a simple inside hand. Everyone knew yeah. Bijan was getting it. And that's fine, but you have to be creative. Yeah. Like, this basically was the, your money play. What's your money play? What's yes. the play that you have, Sark, where you know I'm guaranteed to get a yard on this play? This is the one. I know I'm going to get a yard. I've done the scouting. I've done the, the game planning. Um, we're going to we're gonna run behind this guy because he's our best blocking O-line going up against this guy because we've uh, scouted and we know that he's susceptible to the inside zone, whatever it is. You ran behind Denzel Okafor. Yeah, like to me, like that's that's to me, that's bad self-scouting. I don't understand. And that's the argument that I will bring in. 
I think that Hayden Connor deserves a chance. I think Tope Ahmad. Sark has already said he will stick with the offensive that. line that he's, and they will get better. I'm just saying, reminds me a little bit of Herman. What? That's a very stubborn mindset, though. Instead of saying, you know what, we're open to all options to improve our offensive line, whether it be new personnel or new schemes or whatever. No, we say, no, no, no. We like what we're doing. We're doing we're doing it right, and we're going to keep on doing That's it. That's why Tom Herman got fired. Good luck with that. Why is Hudson God the only kid who lost his starting job? Bingo! That's a good point. In a meritocracy, it's a good point. Let's talk about therapy, y'all. Let's talk about working on ourselves as people, right? therapy. One (laughs) of the things that you do is you take a specific thing that you know is not working, and you work on that specific thing. (laughs) And I'll give this to Sark. I think Sark is methodical about his stuff. I think part of what he's doing is a controlled experiment. Okay. You don't change seven things at one time in a controlled experiment. Okay. What you do is you change one aspect and you have your control group, which we know is our O-line, right? Our O-line isn't perfect. Our okay, O-line. question. What is he working on at the moment? Quarterback. QB. Quarterback. Okay, okay, okay. You go in and you okay. say, Okay, look, we had a lot of fuck-ups on offense, no question. (laughs) And again, if any game I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it against Rice. Perfect game. So you look up and you say, okay, look, our O-line needs work. Our receivers need work. Our tight ends definitely need work. I know I'm making a quarterback switch. So I'm not going to change anything else because what I want to learn about my team is how does my exact same control environment react to a different stimulus and that's a different quarterback right so that's what I want to see let's see look we've all said this O-line isn't perfect but I think Casey Thompson is the guy that can make plays behind what this O-line can provide yeah no I like that so we're gonna test one thing at a time I like that theory no, I think that's it, the, it's my theory. thought. I could be wrong. No, that's that's the only challenge I have to your theory is that, yes, they're changing the one thing. Mm-hmm. However, they're also changing home field advantage, hostile environment, noise, like all the things that helped them be a mess last weekend. We're not having any of those factors this weekend. And you're rest. taking down the <laughs> level of competition. Okay, okay, but you're controlling what you can before well. you get into conference. Yeah. I agree with that part. However, changing one variable, I think they're changing 40 variables and a quarterback. I disagree. I, okay. I disagree. Playing Arkansas on the road is a million times different than playing Rice at home. I don't think Sark was prepared for how much Arkansas hates Texas. Absolutely, which elevates the difference even more. Yeah, and We talked about this last week. Sark was familiar with the Arkansas environment. But not as a Texas coach. He was not familiar with the old, gutty, dirty Texas hate. Agreed. No, it is. This is like, no, they, they were slash tires type hatred. Like they did genuinely have a vitriolic angst for Texas. No, no. no. And I agree with a comment that apparently was made on TV. I, I, I want to credit the, the announcer, but I wasn't watching it. But I heard that it was said that Arkansas hates Texas mm-hmm. more than they love themselves. And I would agree with that wholeheartedly. That was my yeah. experience. I agree with that. that, was, that that's what I saw. I feel like a lot of people do. I went through. <laughs> 
I do want to bring up defense a little bit, especially since we have <laughs> Sir we Rod Babers himself Please. on the podcast today. So, Mr. DBU, <laughs> Pete Kwiatkowski, I, I know you're a fan of him. I do. I love him. He's fantastic. He did not scheme well this game. No. My question is, yeah, he, he seemed like the perfect answer when we all thought we were staying in the Big 12. How does that change now that we're going to the SEC? And we got a bit of a taste of it two days ago, unfortunately. Yeah, that's 7.1 yards per carry allowed by Texas versus Arkansas. For PK, it would have been the second highest yards per carry allowed since he's become a defensive coordinator at the FBS level going back to his days at Boise State in 2010. So it was arguably one of his worst games, and he's never had a game as a defensive coordinator at the FBS level. He's allowed um, at least 40 points, at least 330 rushing yards, and at least 470 total rushing total yards. That's me. So. He had, a, he had a really bad game. And what I was concerned with, with PK, I was told, and everybody I trust, they said PK is a great, you know, fundamental teacher of the game, that he will teach the guys how to, you know, tackle really well, how to use leverage, all of these kind of fundamental things that make a defense really, really effective. And yet they missed, I think, close to 20 tackles versus – Arkansas. I mean, I had That's, a over 20 tackle. How does the University of Texas not know how to tackle well? Like, like, how do you miss that? Well, isn't it an issue that's existed for? For a long time, right? Like way yeah. too long. Eight or nine years now, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's just weird. We don't tackle well in space. It's just, ugh. No, yeah. no, that's something that I asked. We, we had some great one-on-one -on -one open space tackles. We had several of those. But as a whole. We had a good game. As a whole, what I was seeing from a pie was we're tackling a pie. Yeah, they run through home tackles. Yeah. They, look, look, motherfuckers, y'all aren't Quentin Jammer. Yeah. You aren't bringing the boom. <laughs> you're, 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 you're not DJ. You're, you're, you're not clotheslining, dude. Right. Yeah. You you need yeah. to bring some proper Get your pad level low. Thank you. Bring your hips with low, you. Down low, low center of gravity. Square up, hit them solid. Low pad level ones. Okay. We didn't hey, see that. the one thing you and I, Rod, have in common is we both tackled a lot, you know, because I played rugby. 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 Yeah, no, that's so you know. I, I was no so tackler, know. so I know foot placement, shoulder placement, exactly. hip placement. We, we tackled. My question is, okay, so last week in the press conference when everything was high and mighty, the honeymoon's over. Coach, Coach Sarkeesian said they had run some things, and when it was working in the game, the players bought in, and they were excited. The players said, oh, man, Coach, oh, you told us this would work out. And when and we it played, did work. And when we executed, it came true. And mm -hmm. this, let's go work hard and practice, Coach. Oh, yeah. So he said that. When the players saw what they were teaching and was working, they were buying in. Yeah. Would you agree with the fan perspective that when it wasn't working, they were buying out? If the truth is that they buy in when it's working, they do. Would you agree then that when it's not working, i.e., the offense stuttering and refusing to get any movement or points, then the defense who's put on their heels, and I wouldn't put this game on the okay. defense, balled out until they were exhausted and there was nothing left. I love PK and I'm going to believe in him. What I saw was a tired, exhausted defense that just as much as they bought in last week when it was working, 
was like, fuck this shit when it wasn't working. <laughs> I think you're right. As a player, I will say this. When we had a bad game plan, I knew it. I'll tell you this. We played Colorado in the Big 12 title game. Um, they played Colorado earlier that year. Beat them by like Yeah, y'all, y'all beat the crap out of them. Hell out of them. The coaches changed the game plan from that game to the to the Big but 12 the title same game. personnel. Same personnel, same team, changed the game plan. Freak. We didn't know why they was changing the game plan. Maybe they got some info, some intel that we didn't know about. Maybe they watched interesting, though. Whatever. But we beat the hell out of them earlier. And I didn't think they changed much at all. They just became a more uh, dominant running team. They're just more effective at doing the same thing they were doing. Coaches changed the scheme entirely. And that's not the reason. We had a lot of, I mean, we, that was crazy things happened that game. Sims threw like two picks and fumbled. Yeah, and he, was, he had four turnovers in one half. I remember it other, very vividly. You no, know, Seb B and Mike Williams ran into each other on one of his picks. Right. While the guys were and knocked each other out of the game. Like right. two first round oh, picks. It was just a terrible yeah, game. Two top five picks. Yeah, exactly. So my point is that it, it coaches do that sometimes. Sometimes they just, football is a Coach. simple, simple game complicated by simple men. Don't ever forget that. Coaches be yeah. like, Coaches. <laughs> okay, so, I don't get it, but it happened. It's what happened to me, so it happened to us. So, Rodby, you met my little bulldog tonight, Devin. Devin, like most <laughs> bulldogs, can't swim. You know, we have a net on our pool because the dog <laughs> One time, I was walking around the pool, and she just stepped into the pool and went straight to the bottom. And she didn't even try. <laughs> she just nuke. She didn't even try. So I'm like, I'm looking at her. I'm like, oh, Devin, fight. fight for your life. Fight. She's just sinking to the bottom. Moment to give her an opportunity to at least attempt to care about anything. <laughs> and the beautiful bulldog didn't even doggy paddle. She, she like, just up. <laughs> this is how it is. She didn't attempt to swim or move or what you would think she a dog. accepted her doggy Millions of years of, of dog in like innate ability. Instead, she, just like, she had none. Tanks. Right? And she's like, oh, this is how I die. Isn't and it? so I pull her out of the pool <laughs> and I'm like, dude, little doggy, why did you even try to fight? <laughs> Where are we as a Texas program? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm putting that question on you. Where are we? Should we just throw ourselves in the pool or should we dock? <laughs> should we go full Devin? No, 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 no. Texas fight. So we Devin. fight. We fight. We fight. No, the thing is this. We, when Sark was hired, all right, there was, the assumption was that Sark, I, there was he 46 and 35 or something like that mm-hmm. at, at, at Washington and USC. And that, that he was kind of, he was going to go through this metamorphosis as a coach and we were going to get this great value. So, so my point is that he and Texas are kind of going through this transmogrification together. Right. And there's a redemption story that now they have kind of linked together in this redemption story. And that is the hope is that when Sark now ascends to become a great coach, elite coach. We're hoping because he hasn't been that. We're hoping he's going to get there as a head coach. He's had great success as a, like an assistant coach. Well, Bill O'Brien looks great too, but it's Bama Town. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bill O'Brien was called an imbecile at. Te- well, I'm a Texans fan, and now he's called a genius. And it took like two months for that. Okay, one thing that I will ask from all Texas fans and all Texas pundits: Can we just strike 
the word genius from our lexicon. Yeah. Offensive genius. Yeah. Steve Sarkeesian. QB whisperer. Can we have that? QB like, I, I don't want that. I they just want to, I want to strike it all. And just get to work. Let's just get to work and have some good work. Damn coaching. Yep, get back to work. And some good goddamn playmaking. Like. We believe our own hype too often here at Texas fans. Coaches do too. And I mean. We do. We believe the hype. We, we fell hook, line, and sinker for the hype train. For Sark and his staff and all gas and no brakes. And I got to. Oh, we just skidded to a halt. (laughs) I know. And by the way, no brakes. Did you see Sark's play calls at the end of the game? So many brakes. He's just running inside and he's just handing it off. I thought we're no brakes. What do you mean? Yeah. So this is our thing at Texas. What we have to do is we have to stop believing the hype. And Sark has to, too. I think Sark, the truth is, Sark and his whole staff, they started believing the hype, too. It's okay. It's human nature. Yeah, that's Nick fair. Saban calls it the success flu. He literally has a term for it. Rat poison. poison. Oh, I don't want it anywhere in my life. I don't want these people to get... Remember, Nick Saban every year will go off after they play some FCS Division Two opponent. We're he terrible. Did. We don't he know what the hell we're doing. Him. He's just trying we to keep... watched him up by four. Yeah. Getting into his players' asses, yeah, Bill, for doing something silly on a small play. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is screaming "No days off" at Super Bowl parades. Got the fans screaming it. These types of people, right? These are the types of people that you want in charge of your program. If if Sark is going to be on that level with those types of people, what what Nick Saban is talking about, right? There needs to be this. He talked about it today too. You have to have this obsession where you hate to lose more than you want to win. And Matt Brown even talked about it. that's why he I was left. about to bring him up. Yeah, Matt Brown told me that he said, "Guys, I, I had no more joy with the wins because yeah. I didn't find joy in him anymore." He said, "I got to the point where the the losing was so was really painful, but the winning wasn't as joyous." So can I say and he this? left? Can I say this? Quan Cosby, our dude, like he he's a friend of the podcast. We he's been on Quan. before. He came on and and he literally said this. I, I was sitting two seats away from him in Arkansas. And what he told me when that final countdown went down, he looked at me, he said, Megan, he tweeted this too. He said, Megan, our team has to hate losing more than they do like winning. We're not there yet. And then we watched it and our, the press conference today, Keijan said the same thing. I'm like, all right, well, and, and Rod, you said this unprovoked. Players have to hate losing more than they like winning. Are we there yet as a team? No, no, no. Because we haven't won enough. What does it? It's, t- it's still kind of a novelty to win a little, a little bit, right? What, what especially t- like the big games? Okay, but wait, but what does it take to make that culture shift? How? When? And we're still in the early stage of that with Sarkeesian, but. I that's a great question about the coach. I think it starts honestly. I think from what Mac started, it was because listen, Mac had his faults too. I remember when y'all wanted Mac fired. All right, I remember those days. <laughs> I was playing on the team during those. He's winning ten games, right? And they won his ass, right? Fired. Right. Um, but with Max, I would say that Max's philosophy, especially in terms of building the roster, our practices were harder than the games, except for one usually, and that was Oklahoma. Other than that, we didn't see talent like we saw in our practices. We didn't have practices that were as competitive, or we didn't have games, let's say, that was more competitive than our practices. We just didn't. 
because I was going up against Roy Williams and BJ Johnson and that's a good point. Sloan Thomas every day right, in practice. Right. Like that's I was a good point. And Tony Jeffries, man, God. Yeah, man, but think about those guys. They were going up against me and Quentin Jammer and Cedric right. Griffin and Huff the Daddy. Best the best. You would go, it was first round picks against first uh, picks. That's what Bama does. Iron right. sharpening but iron. That's, yeah, that's what Bama's got. Bama's like, yeah. no, no, I, I'm not worried about the game. The games are so fun because practice is hard as hell. Get there. Okay. Clemson's there, Ohio State's there, some programs that are there. That's where you start. You start there where the competition level is so high that nobody likes to lose even at practice and you're going up against the best every day. That's the best place. To Do start. you think Texas can get there in the next three years? Yeah. Yeah. What's it going to take for that? If Sark's the right man. All right. That's fair. Yeah, if Sark can, I mean, they, if Sark's the right man, he hired the right staff. Our buddy Earwax Poetic, he listens, he listens to the podcast every week at DocSamson829. He wanted to ask you this. So UT's had a lot of coaches since Mac with, that haven't had a lot of success. Your opinion, Rod, is it a culture thing that they're recruiting stars? and not mm. ballers, players, dogs. In your opinion, what are you seeing that's missing? Yeah, that's, um, people would ask that question a lot. I mean, you know they got talent, right? But do they have the guy, does it mean enough to the players? Talent versus guts. Where yeah. are we at? Like, does it mean, debate? yeah, does it matter to the players? Like, you, are you recruiting the types of players who are, of course, they're really good athletes. Of course, they're fantastic. Some of the best players in the state. But when they get to Texas, do they think that they have, made it right was this the goal for them the whole time was right. to get to texas and be celebrated at texas right. always the goal to my goal I, was always to play in the nfl to play for championships and to play with other great players i think even though i'm an old ass man now i think 78 year olds still have the same we're old <laughs> they want to they they make it to the league they want to play for championships and they want to play with other great players that's okay. it okay and i think texas they have great players they got to get to the point where if you you want to go to Texas for the right reasons, right now I ain't gonna lie. I think a lot of guys come to Texas for reasons other than going to the league, winning championships. What are those reasons? Hmm. Let's be honest, man. Texas is a fun place to. Uh, it's play. Austin. Austin is the great, arguably, other than USC when they are. There is no better college in the country than Austin. Even 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 L, even USC ain't that ain't as good as Austin because USC's oh. in Hollywood. Right. Hollywood worries about Hollywood. They don't give a damn about you as right. a football player walking around. Yeah. yeah. Starting quarterback at Texas and Austin, you're it. Right. You're right. you're in the same conversation you're with McConaughey and everybody else. Like you're it. Yep. And I think some guys they go to Texas. Just me. I think they this is what this was to go. I just want to be at Texas. Yeah. It's like, well, that no, that's the starting point. Is that detrimental to the? Oh yeah, it's it's it. Oh yeah, because Bama don't get them kind of guys. Every guy Bama that goes to Bama goes to Bama for one reason. To work. I want to. Yep, and I want to go to the league. I want to win championships. That's it. I'm going Nick Saban to do that. Even the five stars that choose Texas over Bama, I often question them. I'm not gonna lie. So so Texas has the brand. If you want to, if you want to win championships, and you want to go to the NFL, and you're you're the best player in the country at your position. Why would you come to Texas? Playing time. So Texas has the. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> the negative recruiting sure. Texas got to do with. Sure. If oh, I'm yeah. a, if I'm a coach for another team, I'm saying why would you why do you want to go play for Texas? Texas is a brand, especially in today's world. Texas is a brand will elevate that individual player. It it, it, it we are moving away from the win us championships. So. Yeah, we're moving away from the brand as a whole, and we're moving into this world with NIL that you're at a university that will divert and, and 
spend resources on promoting you as an individual and as a person and as a player, right? And I, I think that's something that can set Texas apart in this crazy new world that we're in. No question. Now, look, I believe that this staff with PK and Flood and Sark, and I think that the staff can take it to a level where, holy shit, we're developing players. And let's be super clear. Texas has not done that in a while. We've known for a long time. It's been the NFL secret, open secret for a long time, that you can steal Texas players for zero fucking money, get Mm -hmm. a great player that you will coach up, right, for no money. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think that Sark can change that. I think he can build that. I I hope so. Texas should and will build on and say that, hey, we are again the school that will build players and will take you from your three, four star and build you into a first draft pick. But I think Sark has to be more honest with himself about what the situation is. We have the name, we have the marketing, but ultimately, unless you, Sark, as a coach, puts it out there and actually produces players that are stepping up and filling these roles that we expect as fans, that we expect as people that support the University of Texas, Mm -hmm. until you fill those roles, you're not going to get the recruits that are going to come to say like, oh, you're going to build me as a player. Yeah. We have to prove we have to build them as a player. I agree. I think and my concern, and that's, I think NIL, I think you're totally right. Texas can be a force of nature with NIL because of the brand. We got so much money. Tons of money, right? <laughs> and I think in Texas can, they can dominate there. The concern is with Texas, with what it has always been, distractions. And, right. right, this is the, we've talked about distractions here at Texas for a while. Like, oh, man, maybe the kids are distracted. We've talked about them, you know, basically being kind of spoiled. Right. Right. That these, these do you feel that? Do you feel Texas entitlement? Free? Right. We've had yeah. These terms have been thrown look, around. Look, fans so, have entitlement. I'll say that straight up. I know. My point is, do, do you think the entitlement issues, do we think the issues with, uh, you know, the, the, the culture, maybe the toxicity with the program are going to get worse or better with NIL? You think, the, the, you think the players will be more distracted with NIL? Right up initially worse, but then I think better if you have the appropriate coach. Listen. So they're going to spend more time watching film with NIL? Straight up. If you, or are they going to spend Oh, time? nice. The NIL I think that's deals. where it goes back to the coach. If you have a Nick Saban, that's like, listen, I don't care what you're worth, and you're going to hear my wrath. And you're going to hear my anger and you're going to hear my take on things. That's Nick Saban. That's one thing. But that's That's where I go of coaches. But that's my point. That's where I say that like coaches like Sark can go, listen, you're at a place like Texas. We're going to get you some NIL deals. I know my point is like distracting from the winning. You're having a tough time winning right now without NIL. Our players have been called soft. They are entitled. So this NIL, now you're going to become, you're going to become the, the mega NIL school, right? Are you going to bring in the right types of players who want to be at Texas for the right reason? Are you going to bring in guys who just want to That would be my question. It's about your coaches and how they manage that expectation. Agree. So I think that Sark has the opportunity to say, 
we're going to bring you a lot of NIL opportunities. But if you don't put the product on the field and you don't live up to the expectations and here is my bottom line and this is what I want from you, you can't live up to that, then you're not Texas material. I agree. It could be a distraction. My only argument to not that, against it, by the way. No, I'm no, for. I'm all yeah. about the players making money Same. off the work they're putting in. My only disagreement with that it's a distraction to the whole team is that really it's only one or two players that are affected by massive money, Just right? Your best players. Right. <laughs> right. And the one thing, no, no, but I'm saying like. I was listening this week, you know, on 1049 The Horn, trailing had Super Bowl quarterback Troy Aikman talking, and he's, oh, well, you know, you have this local kid, and he's talking about yours who left high school early. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, and he went to go sign million, literally million-dollar oh, yeah. money. He's like four deals. Good for him. Ball out. Go, I have no problem with anybody ever making their own money. My only concern with that is – don't take the one case and say, oh, and this is what Troy Aikman did on this interview. Oh, it's changing high school football. No, one, one yeah, kid. Yeah, I agree. One That's kid. Agree. No, I... There's still thousands of high school players who are literally grinding every day with their high school coaches. That's still going to happen. And that's beautiful about high school football. Yeah. All right. So we, we've covered the pain of Arkansas. <laughs> we've covered the fallout from Fayetteville. We've covered... Jesus Christ, how much it hurts to be a Longhorn. I love being a Longhorn. This conversation is amazing, but let's go ahead and cut it here. And we're going to leave the listeners ready for part two. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. I'm Megan. I'm Rod Babers. And we'll be back with a little bit more Fire the Cannon.